Thank you for joining us on Warrior Women Speak. I'm Judge Rosemary Aquilina, author of Just Watch Me, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sherry Botwin, LCSW, social worker and trauma specialist and author of Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing. We have created this podcast for your enjoyment and so that we all can talk about our issues and learn together about how to deal with trauma and those things that spring up in our everyday life. Please join us for every episode and let us know what you want to talk about. Now for the show. Pandemics have killed an estimated 300 million to 500 million people throughout 12,000 years of human history. The coronavirus, as we know it called COVID-19, has caused more than 1 million deaths in less than one year. It's led to diverse mental health problems, including alcohol and drug abuse, depression, anxiety, trauma in all forms, PTSD, suicide ideation, and many suicides, anger, and other stress and trauma-related disorders. COVID stress on top of everyday stresses include unemployment, economic loss, essential workers who are overburdened, survivors of COVID not healing well, and also survivor guilt because so many loved ones have passed. And then there's always the worry with our essential workers and others that there's a lack of personal protection equipment and decisions early on. Thankfully, we don't have to make those decisions so much now, but decisions over who gets a ventilator and who doesn't And do we send our children to school or keep them home? So many decisions and many more than I've outlined. And now things are opening up. We are asked to go back to work, to take off our masks and get back to normal. But can we feel safe? Can we trust the government? Can we trust our family members, our neighbors and our community to continue to be safe and do the right things or do we go back and maybe not be as vigilant as we have been because now we think it's past and i think everybody's feeling stress about what do we do where do we go is there a new normal what does that new normal look like and many of those feelings are part of trauma that people won't recognize this trauma, but it really is a form of trauma, isn't it? All that worry? Uh, all the feelings associated with the pandemic, there's so many different emotions. There's worry, there's sadness, there's fear. Like you were saying, there's so much anxiety, there's issues of trust. As you were highlighting what we've been through over the last year. And then as I think about, because again, the news just broke yesterday about the CDC lifting guidelines about mass mandates, and it's time to go back to work, like you were saying. And even as you're speaking it, I can feel myself feeling the anxiety and feeling like it made me, it makes me think about what happened last year. It feels so sudden. It feels like even though it's a wonderful thing that we are moving out of this pandemic, the idea that 
now after adjusting to the life that we've been living as much as we don't want to adjust to living a life that feels so restrictive, it's scary. It's, it's overwhelming to think about. So we hear on the news, this is what the government or this is what the CDC is saying. But like you're saying, how do we know that that is actually what is happening? Where's the proof? How do we trust that if our government says it's okay to take off our masks, how do how do we actually know that it's okay? You can't sort through all those feelings from a year and three months and then one day hear the announcement on the on the news and then just be like, okay, I guess I'll just go back to normal then. I've actually gotten comfortable wearing my mask and I know my kids have too. They just grab them. I don't even have to say, where's your mask? And I feel like this last year and a half, we've all been in a safety bubble and we found out a lot about ourselves and about those around us. We have found out that some people care more about the inconvenience of wearing a mask than the health of friends, neighbors, and community. And now we have to re-engage with these people. And there's going to be some angst and issues over trust. Uh, can we pick up where we left off? How do I feel about these people who didn't listen to the CDC, who didn't listen to the governor, who didn't listen to the president, or maybe they did, and it was something different than what you felt? It's going to be very different re-engaging in normalcy when we have a loss of trust and faith in so many different parts of what we thought was normal. I mean, really what you're describing is the impact of trauma because you're talking about how you get to a point with the mask where you actually feel safer with it on. And what it makes me think about is when somebody's going through something that's overwhelming, scary, life-threatening, our inclination is to go into that flight or fight. What can I do to survive? How do I protect myself? So for us through COVID, we were told over and over again that if we keep distance and wear our masks, we're less likely to either contract the virus or give it. So that basically has become our shield. It's, it's the thing that we have control over. Like you talk about with your kids, you leave the house and, and, and I, I see this with a lot of kids. Nobody's complaining about having to wear a mask because I think at this point, we're all feeling like this is the one thing I can do to keep myself safe. So it reminds me of people who've been in really turbulent, toxic, abusive relationships, and they find ways to protect themselves, whether they're hiding in their closet or they're drinking alcohol or they're dis dissociating. These are things people do to survive experiences that feel threatening. So now we're in the place that I feel like a lot of people that I work with are in when they're trying to extricate themselves from unsafe relationships. It's kind of like when I work with trauma survivors or I work with people who've been dealing with long-term medical issues or I'm talking with patients who are in recovery from eating disorders and family members will say to me over and over again, how much longer is it going to take for so-and-so to quote unquote, get over it. And this is a part, I think the one good thing about this whole thing, and I don't think there's just one good thing, the silver lining as Kate Snow called it when I talked with her the other day is I think that we as a society are going to start to better understand what it means 
to go through something really upsetting and scary and work through the process of recovery. It is definitely not something that happens overnight. It And it's going to be different for all of us. Everybody has their own reaction and everybody heals in their own way. So I want to tell you a story, something that happened to me today. And maybe you can tell me a little bit of insight about this woman who had such bad behavior. And I wonder if she decided that, well, no one can see me, kind of that invisible person behind the mask, or maybe she's got some kind of PTSD or trauma and it's just lashing out at people. But I was in the grocery store checking out with my daughter and behind me, there was a woman who was checking out and she had some trouble with the machine and so did I. And one of the workers came over and was helping me and finished and then went over to this woman the woman immediately lashed out at her and said, I've been waiting for 10 minutes and you've taken your sweet time and you're on my time and I can't believe you and just really railed on her. And the worker said, ma'am, the machines aren't working well today. I've been doing my best and I did get to as quickly as I can. And the woman got even louder and angrier and spewing all sorts of nasty things at the worker. The worker took a step closer. They actually sort of both at the same time took a step closer. So instead of being six feet apart or four feet apart, they were about two feet apart. And the customer said, you are too close. Get back. Manager, manager. The employee said, I don't need this. I'm done. I quit. And she turned around and left saying, I don't need this. I don't need this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And it was a huge scene. I felt unsafe for my daughter. I kept her in back of me, and I watched it because I was worried about what was going on, and I, I had my phone. I was going to dial 911 or go get a manager myself until the woman started calling manager, manager. Three came and then apologized to the customer. Now, when the customer left a couple of minutes later and the three managers we're talking. I said, could I please talk with you? I saw the whole thing. I was right there. And it takes two. And there are two sides. And this customer treated your employee horribly. And the way she responded to the employee really flipped the switch up to saying, I'm going to harm you. This turned almost lethal. Thankfully, no one had a weapon. No one put their fists up, but it was very, very close. And the voice and the emotion and the stance of each was scary. And they thanked me and said, thank you for letting us know. And we're glad that, you know, to have the other side because the customer said all bad things. And I knew that. I had heard it. And I said, no, that, that's not it. There's two sides. They can work it out. But in my head also. I was very concerned because we have to look at the essential workers. We've all had essential workers around us. This woman has been working throughout COVID. She's been masked. She's been thoughtful and helpful to people. I bet no one turned around and said thank you to her. And this woman who was checking out, I really felt, thinking about it later, that her behavior was 20 times what it should have been because she was behind a mask and no one really knew who she was. Now, I don't know if that's trauma 
or if that's just being a chicken behind the mask and lashing out at people. I really don't know, but it was disturbing to me and something I hope that's not the new normal. I hope that when people take off the masks, we can be kind to each other and thankful that we're still here when so many have died and be thankful for all of the essential workers who really kept us going. I mean, you're talking about two different pieces, right? You're talking about what's going on with the worker and all, well, now it's years, it's past a year, but all these weeks, months of having to be in an environment where she's potentially exposing herself She's taking risks by showing up to work. And then you're talking about this customer who clearly has no boundaries or ability to manage her emotions. And we were trying to figure out, as you're talking about it, what's going on with this customer? Is she thinking that because she's behind this mask, she can just sort of let it rip? And I think there's two, there's two different things here. I think what a lot of people are talking about with the masks, they're not just talking about feeling safe physically from the virus, but they're talking about feeling like people don't know who I am. I can walk down the street. I mean, I have so many patients talking to me about this kind of stuff. I can be mad at somebody. I cannot smile at somebody. I can avoid people and I can get away with it because the mask protects me. So there's this, there's this one piece. And when I think of that piece, I think, you know, again, I don't know what was going on with this customer because she's sounding like she's so overreactive and she has such a she's so flippant her response it's almost like she doesn't get what she wants so the second she doesn't get what she wants she acts out and then I'm thinking about the worker and I'm thinking as you're telling the story I was thinking back to the first couple months when really the only thing that was open was the grocery stores places where you sold food, right? And I'm thinking about the energy that I remember feeling when I would even go into the grocery store. Everybody's on edge. People are afraid to walk down the aisle. You see arrows. You walk this way down one aisle. And if you're walking the wrong way, you get looks. You see people wearing their masks incorrectly. You can feel the tension. And I'm thinking about this worker and I'm thinking she's been putting up with all of this for now 14 months, right? And And then I'm thinking about this customer and I'm thinking, I wonder if she would have acted like that if she didn't have that mask on. I wonder. And then I'm thinking, as you're telling the story, because I don't know the, I don't know the customer, I don't know the worker, but I'm thinking, what in the heck is going on with her that she feels like it's okay to lash out onto a stranger? Well, here's the thing. When you're under a mask, you can get away with a lot more. Like you you were saying this before we came on, people who go and rob banks, they have all this sort of confidence because they have their, you know, their, their shield covering their face and they think they're going to get away with it because nobody can identify who they are. So I think that one of the things that we're going to see as we move through the next several months is that people are going to have a whole bunch of feelings that come out now and it's not going to be, it's not going to just happen in a day. People, there are people who are reeling from the last year. You know, when I think about the, um, the customer, and again, I don't condone that kind of behavior, but I also am thinking, I wonder what happened to her. You know, like, is she one of the people that lost somebody to COVID? Did she have COVID? Is, is she not doing well? It's so hard to know. And I think, you know, what I want to say to people is, you just really don't know what's going on in somebody's life unless you really know them. And 
to be able to be mindful of not just your own feelings, but try and think about maybe what it's like, you know, for the worker to have to deal with not just angry customers, but again, to have to be in an environment that's high risk, even now, even with COVID sort of slipping away or, or starting to dissipate, that she's still in at a higher risk just because of what she does for a job. Doctors, ER nurses, teachers, anybody who's having face-to-face contact. I think people feel safer now because a lot of people are getting vaccinated, but not everybody feels like that. So I feel like I would like to go into that store and I'd like to talk to both of them. And I'd like to find out what in the world is going on. And I think, again, when you say how the worker just sort of leaves, I think to myself, that was probably the 200th customer that has confronted her, gotten in her face. And I think we are not as patient as we used to be. I think we, you and I talk about this too, as parents or as a therapist, as a judge, whatever we do for a living. I think our patience for anything, any kind of bullshit, I think is has gone. I think our 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 tolerance has gone down, and I think it's going to take a while for us to transition into whatever this new normal is going to look like. And I think that that's a great story because it's a story of people having real feelings, and both people struggling to manage with whatever feelings they're having in the moment, right? Because the worker, I can understand why she walked out, but a part of me wants to go find her in the parking lot and say, you need to go back in there and you need to say to that customer, it is not okay for you to talk to me like that. I can get a manager over here if you want, but whatever it is that you're feeling or whatever it is that you're going through, that doesn't give you the right to be disrespectful to me. Like I have all these emotions, even as you tell the story. Yeah, it it was really the customer. I felt like she thought she was invisible behind that mask and that she could do anything and be powerful at it, good or bad. And really this um, worker just felt so degraded and at risk because of this woman. And it was just not a good scene. But here's the thing. The old normal, I think, is gone. There's a new normal. And this scene that I'm describing, I think, is part of, and of course, I'm not the therapist, but this is just my conjecture. So you tell me where I'm right or wrong, or maybe it's somewhere in between. I think we are all suffering from, for example, Zoom fatigue. And Zoom is this artificial virtual world. It's a space that we can talk to people in, but ultimately we are in a safety bubble and we're not, humans need humans. They need human contact. And so we're having virtual contact. And I feel like now going out into the stores, people aren't realizing that this is human contact again. And it's not Zoom. We're not artificial. There are real people. We're in a real workspace. We all need to feel safe and heard, get answers, be positive, and work together to get back to this human contact and deal with each other without the mask. So I think people wearing a mask need to think, how would I act if I could be seen 100% and act appropriately? Because what I witnessed seems to be more the norm. I'm going to act how I'm going to act because I'm behind the mask. And I think that's a bit of the 
fallout from the Zoom fatigue, honestly. Well, I think you're naming it. I think it's it's a fallout from the virtual living, whether it's Zoom, Skype, whatever. There's all these different platforms that we're using. And I think when you think about the screen, even now as we're sitting here talking, right, we're looking at each other, but you're in your safe space. I'm in my safe space. If I don't like something that you're saying or I'm feeling uncomfortable, you probably aren't going to pick up on it as easily because you can only see from my shoulders up. You can't see what's going on. You can't read my body language. So I think uh, when you're talking about this again, I and it, it, does, it brings up a lot of feelings for me when I think about what you're saying, because I'm thinking about all the different people that we both work with and how when somebody goes through something that is life changing and again, not just, not just trauma, like assault and abuse, but people who go through different types of medical crisis or people who lose family members suddenly, or people who lose their homes, you don't just the next day wake up and say, well, I guess I'll just go back to work now, or I guess I'll just go buy a new house, or I guess I'll just get a new boyfriend. It takes a long time. So really the re-entry is about readjusting to being back in connection with people in the way that we used to know before. And I think that in some ways, it almost is going to take us practice because even people who don't have social anxiety, some of those people are now telling me, for some reason, I feel nervous about going back to my office. I feel nervous about going on a date. I feel nervous about hanging out with my friends. And I think that probably if people are listening to this right now, I can picture a lot of people are nodding. And it's not even necessarily because somebody has had a trauma or is diagnosed with anxiety. It's because we've been apart for so long. If this were two weeks, that'd be one thing. But we literally went through all four seasons. We went through birthdays, holidays, people's people died. People went to funerals over Zoom. People were celebrating weddings over Zoom. And now today, I, I noticed this. Today, as we were driving home, I saw some of the kids standing outside taking pictures for prom. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, part of me is so excited. And I, I have a few patients who are at prom right now, and I'm thrilled for them. But I also know that it's nerve wracking. Last year, they didn't have a prom. They didn't have a graduation. Everything was happening. Either it didn't happen or it happened over the internet. So to be able to just sort of remind ourselves that the process of, I, I call it re-entry or re-integration, it's going to take a while. I think it's going to take, I think it'll take almost as long as we were home for us to feel comfortable. I think this time next year, if we were to have this conversation, there'd be shifts, but I think it's going to take probably about a year. I think we need to have our first Christmas together, our first birthday, since we didn't celebrate our birthdays together to really see how people are adjusting. Yeah. I think people are worried about the awkwardness of reacclimating to social life, working a full day, away from home instead of in their homes, worried about mental health uh, issues and talking freely about mental health issues. I think the world in the last, what has it been, a year and a half, year and a quarter, whatever it's been, I feel like it's been forever. Um, people have freely talked about mental health issues. And I can tell you, sitting on the bench for 17 years and even prior as a, as a lawyer, as, as a JAG officer, just as a human, as a mom in the community, 
People don't talk about mental health issues. They'll talk about anything. They'll talk about committing a crime. They'll talk about breaking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend or anything else personal, but they will not talk about mental health issues. It's just not a sexy thing to talk about. And they're embarrassed by it. But this last year plus months, people have really said, I've got PTSD. I've got Zoom fatigue. I need some human contact. I'm fe feeling suicidal. I'm feeling depressed. I'm, I'm anxious. And they've got all of these labels, whether they know what they mean or not, they're at least reaching out and saying, I am feeling differently. And we've accepted that as a society. Yes, there's mental health issues and let's talk about it. I think that's really positive, but I wonder if the new normal will be, well, we're back to normal, so there's no more mental health issues. And I think that's going to be very destructive because now that we've owned that they exist, we need to honor them and keep addressing them. And I also think that employers who previously have said, no, you can't work from home. I know you're going through postpartum. I know you're going through PTSD. I know you're going through some issue or you're disabled and you should be working at home, but no, our company policy is you must be at a desk in our building. Now with COVID, everybody was able to work at home and beautifully did it. And so our company's going to say, okay, we know you're having these issues. You can work from home. That's just fine. Or will they now ignore the mental health signs, warnings, and actual requests and saying, well, we don't care. It's all over. You get, you have to be in the building. I think that dynamic's going to be terribly fascinating. What's your take on it? My thought is that's why we're doing this podcast and we need people out there. We need advocates. We need therapists. We need anybody who has any interest in mental health to keep the conversation going. My thoughts are that I think it's going to depend where people work and what company they work for. I tend to be a pretty optimistic person in general. I do believe that the idea of mental health awareness will not go away after life or as life returns to the new normal, because I don't, I think there's too many of us out here that are not willing to accept that we have to now just sort of erase the idea that people have mental health needs. And I also think that the one one of the benefits of being able to spend all this time at home is that people who have been struggling with mental health issues long before this crazy COVID stuff, this is the year that many people finally asked for help. And I don't think that they're going to stop getting help because they need to go back to their offices. My suggestion would be advocate for yourself, empower yourself, and make sure that you continue to do the things that you were doing when life was more restrictive. Don't put that aside. So I think it's going to be a combination of we need to keep the dialogue going, but we also need to empower people and, and tell people that your mental health is just as important now as it always was. I'm hoping that now employers will be more understanding when somebody goes through something. Again, it doesn't have to be the COVID thing. It could even just be losing a parent. You know, they say you have three days or you have five personal days after the funeral. Well, my hope now is companies are going to say, you take what you take the time that you need. And that might be more than five days for some people. That's my hope. And I think the only way that we'll be able to kind of foster more mental health acceptance and empowerment is we really, like you would say, we really need to keep the conversations going. I agree with you. I'm not as 
hopeful as you, but I, I like the way you think. And I think that what we also need to tell people is it's okay if you need some mental help during the day. There's telehealth, and now everybody has been using it. I know that you do part of your practice mm -hmm. in person and part on telehealth. And I love it when I can call and tell the doctor I have a headache or I need, you know, I'm feeling ill, whatever. Can you write me a script? Because here's the symptoms. And yes, I'll go to my doctor when I can. But meanwhile, can you help me? And so telehealth, if you're not feeling well during the workday and you're in your office, get on Zoom and make an appointment with a health expert, a therapist. Uh, tell them what's going on so that you can finish your work day. You can shut the door. Everybody gets a lunch hour or break and call somebody and take part in self-help groups, 12-step programs, meditation, yoga, spiritual mindfulness, and religious services and groups, whether it's on Zoom and then you integrate it to personal or you do it personally, however you want to do that. If you're at work, start an employee group to talk about all of these. Invite a therapist into the group so that you can work through these things. Most um, larger employers have therapists that are assigned anyway. You can ask for help. Ask one of them to come to the group in person or even virtually, however it works, and join a book club, join an art or painting club or a music club so that you can reintegrate with things you love, with people you enjoy, and Make sure that as we all take off our masks, and maybe by this fall, everything will be back to our new normal without masks, you know, join together with those people who still aren't back to work and help them find a job, housing, food, find some educational programs for them or their kids, and reintegrate as a community where we help each other get back to the new normal in a kind and gentle way. And if there are people with mental health needs, refer them, help them, talk to them, take them to a meeting or a doctor's appointment. I mean, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking for somebody who's a judge right now, you sound like an amazing social worker. You've just listed. I'm like, I'll do that. That sounds good. Oh, I love that idea. Like that's, I mean, again, what you're doing is you're recommending all these different types of resources and support. And I do agree with you that if you're having issues and you're back in your office now, because we have these different online platforms, you can certainly feel free to reach out to providers. I can't tell you how many patients I've been working with in the last year that have been leaving their offices to have a session at lunch or telling their bosses they need to leave early because they have to go to their group. I have high school students that are going to their guidance counselors and saying, when we have our hour and a half lunch, I need an office because I want to have a session. So I think I, I do feel like if we speak up and if people can be more understanding, there is a way to get help. You don't want to feel like, well, now that I'm at work all day, I can't call a doctor. I can't see my psychiatrist or I can't be a part of a group. And I think that if people are listening to this, they should probably write down all those ideas that you just had because they're wonderful ideas. And that that's all about connection, support, and not going through this period of readjustment, readjustment by themselves. Yeah. So I'm not a social worker, but I am a judge who puts a lot, a lot uh -huh. of people on probation. And so I listen to people like you, wonderful therapists that you are. We've had many conversations. You've given me some tremendous ideas 
And of course, social workers, I read a lot and we have a lot of programming and they usually tell me what's available. And part of my job is to rehabilitate. You know, I put in orders for probation so that people who've made a mistake can do better and we can help them. Probation is something for their benefit, to make them whole, to give back to those they've hurt. And so it never happens again. And I feel like we're all a little bit like that. We're all in this sort of probationary period. We've gone through all this terrible stuff. And now how do we do better for ourselves and our families? And as an employer, I would say, you know, talk with your employees, tell them that you're getting or you have gotten a ventilation system with fresh air where there's an indoor-outdoor exchange because that's what's recommended. Uh, that you put in UV lights which kill the virus before it gets circulated in the room. Tell your employees the things you've put in place because you're being proactive. You know, talk to them about, yes, if there's a booster available, we'll give you time off with pay so that you can have the booster. Um, tell them that, you know, you understand that there may be new strains. We don't know enough and we will continue to accommodate you. Because I think as we return to work and I'll be going to hopefully the courthouse soon, um, we all need to feel safe. I know that I want the juries and the visitors to the courthouse and the courtroom to feel safe. So they're focused on the business that we have to do in the courthouse, not am I safe? Did I touch this? Who touched it before me? And we need the protocols in place. We have plexiglass. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. But whatever it takes, this open conversation needs to happen so that we help people de-stress from this trauma that we've all experienced. I mean, the most important thing, and you're saying this, is we need to communicate. We need to be able to speak up. And if something doesn't sit well with us, we need to speak it. If we, if there's something that's concerning, check it out. I'm, I'm thinking as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking what other people are thinking, because there's going to be judgments. There's going to people, there's going to be people saying things now, uh, three months from now, like, why are you still wearing your mask? I, I can already sort of picture that. And I'm just, just hoping that people will really give themselves permission to do what works for them and not worry about what anybody else thinks. Well, I can tell you there's certain situations like in an airport, I will be wearing a mask. I'm not going to give it up. Yep. Even 80 years from now, if I'm still around, I hope to be around for at least another 60, um, I'm going to be wearing a mask uh, and I'm comfortable wearing it. I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't care how people look at me. I'm comfortable in it. And, you know, I haven't gotten the flu this year. So I'm really pleased about that. There's a lot of good that can come from a mask. But I think we all need to act in a spirit of cooperation, not polarization, because we are stronger together and we're going to work through this. We absolutely will. And I think that we're going to keep having great conversations. And I think that in the end, there's going to be a lot of personal growth and healing. And like you were saying before, hopefully much more attention on mental health. So I say we come back and we talk about this again in September, because what I'm thinking, what's three months from now? Is that September or August? We need to come back. And I know one of the things that we're going to be talking about later in the summer is helping our kids readjust to being back in school. So definitely keep on the lookout because we're definitely going to have more conversations about this stuff. And as we readjust and reintegrate, remember the questions I like to ask and own them as your own. 
What would you like me to know and how can I help? And let's, let's work together so that everyone adjusts back to our new normal without masks and with a safer community overall. Sounds like a great plan. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me and have this conversation. Thank you. Always a joy to talk with you. Until next time, I'll see you. What? I'll probably talk to you later, but we'll have another conversation <laughs> everybody Monday, right? Every Monday. Every Monday. See you then. See you then. Thanks so much for joining us today on Warrior Women Speak. It truly is an honor to be able to sit down with Judge Aquilina and have such meaningful conversations. Stay tuned. Each Monday, we will be releasing new episodes in the hopes that we will inspire, uplift, and instill hope. Be sure to subscribe now to at Warrior Women Speak. Until next time.